0: I'm Charlie Keegan, this is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Central Wigan Podcast. This is episode 11, and it's a little bit late after the game against Hull City, because I'll be honest, I didn't really want to record this, but... I've just come off the progress of Unity podcast. We had a big chat about it there, and my thoughts and feelings of the game have come all back up. So I need somewhere to put them. So it was a new year, but the exact same scoreline for Wigan. For the third time in a row, Wigan fell to a four-one defeat, and I have no idea what the board and the coaches need to do from this point on to sort it out. But it's getting a bit out of hand. I need sorting quickly. We're so slow, defensively naive, and just a shadow of the side that we saw at the start of the season. And to be honest, this was the worst possible start to 2023 that we probably could have had. And it just signifies to me that we now need to act very, very fast in this January transfer window to have any chance of saving our season with the little chance that we do have left. Yes, there's still 20 games to go until the end of the season, but our downward trajectory just will continue if we can't get our heads back up and carry on playing the way we know we can do. Because the championship will just chew us up and spit us right back out. So, as these match reviews all work, we're going to go through the team selection first, then analyse both half of the games, and then we'll get talk about our final thoughts towards the end. Colo Torre named four changes to the side that were beat 4-1 by Sunderland, with Jack Watmore, Ryan Niambe, Joe Bennett, and Jordan Cousins all coming in for the injured Charlie Hughes, Tendai Dariqua, Tom Naylor, and Telo Asgard. It was a bit bittersweet of a lineup for me. I thought that I was so happy to see Jack Watmore back and Ryan Nayambe back, but I thought that The decision to bench Asgard and Naylor was a little bit unjust. I thought they both put in good performances against Sunderland, as good as it could have been with a four-wall loss. And obviously Tello set up our only goal. The formation remained in a 4-2-3-1. And I'll be honest, I was glad to see that our back four stayed as natural defenders with Niambé on the right, Joe Bennett on the left, and then Watmore and Tilt in the middle. I wasn't overly thrilled with the full lineup as a whole. I don't think that I would have chosen some of them players in there. And when I did my match preview and I chose the selection for the team, there was a few players that that changed from there but on our bench we had Ben Amos, Tendai Dariqua, Romani Edmonds-Green, Tom Naylor, Talo Asgard, Josh McGinnis and Nathan Broadhead so so the notable exclusions there were Graeme Shinney who's been reportedly linked back with a move to Derby County, Charlie White who's recovered from an injury and Anthony Scully who I can only assume is still sick because he was replaced on the bench last time really late to click off so I can only assume that is the sickness again. So in the first half, Hull City were the ones to kick off for their first game of the new year and they were shooting towards their away fans for the first half. The opening 10 minutes was kept to quite a slow tempo by the Tigers, I thought, and they had a lot of the share of possession, but they seemed really content to play the ball between the defence and the midfield and we weren't really engaging in any high press to try and win the ball back. When they did attack, I thought we did well to prevent any danger and I thought... On the 6th minute when Will Keane dove in to get the ball from John Michael Serry and forcing the yellow card, I think we needed to do more of that, but we really weren't. We were quite rigid in our formation. We were doing a 4-2-3-1. We were quite narrow, so there was a lot of space on the wings, and there was far too much space in between the lines for the opposition to work in. With the possession and the attacking intensity that we were allowing Hull to kind of work with, they were the first ones to have the real big chance of the game and it was Aliar Said Midesh won a header to the right of our area. He sent it over the top of Jack Watmore and then Watmore left it for Jamie Jones to deal with but neither really communicated well because I don't think that the keeper was expecting it and neither of them actually saw the incoming danger of Oscar-esque opinion coming in. Luckily Jones cleared it in time, but that could have been the opening goal. And unfortunately, after 16 minutes, that is what Hull City got. It was a corner from the right of our box, and it was a bit of pinball where Jacob Greaves headed it back across our box. Side Maness tried to run onto it and looked to be fouled by Curtis Tilt. And with that tackle, the Wigan players all stopped and looked to the ref to try and see a whistle, but it never came. We were sleeping and Jacob Greaves was awake to bury the ball past Jamie Jones into the goal. So there's a lot of defensive naivety. We were really slow. And for neither of those two phases for Jacob Greaves to be involved, nobody was marking him. So another shot in the foot by Wigan was something that we have to really sort out really quickly. And if Torre is going to try and turn this team around, our defence has to be so much better. For the remaining 30 minutes of the half, Wigan barely threatened with any clear chances on the ball remained just locked in a midfield battle. We looked really slow, rigid in formation, but we were also out of position on the field. So yes, we were doing a 4-2-3-1, but we were so narrow and it just looked out of position compared to what Hull City were. And to be honest, we looked scared. We looked scared to make any mistake on the ball. We looked scared to have the possession. And it was just a really poor end to the half. But just before the break came, Curtis Tilt tried to advance up the field with a couple of minutes left. The ball got away from him and it was a bit of a tricky play to get to get forward and I could see what he was trying to do. But the ball got away from him. He made a late challenge and he was straight into the referee's caution book. So both managers decided to make a sub at half-time. Callum Lang came off for Nathan Broadhead and Liam Resenia swapped Aliar Said Manesh for Tyler Smith. The first half I thought started a bit like the first. Both sides were trying to get into a rhythm without over-committing but Hull remained as the holders of the possession and without much of a spark in our side, Colo Torre made another substitution after 55 minutes. This time it was a double substitution. Jordan Cousins and Ashley Fletcher came off and Tom Naylor and Telo Asgard came on. Now, I said in the first half, I put this on Twitter, that the game was crying out for Nathan Broadhead and Talo Asgard. For me, they are two players that should be starting pretty much every game that they are fit enough to. Whether they weren't fit enough to start this game, I don't know. But they are just such difference makers, and I felt that as the game hit the hour mark, we looked to be finally setting into the game. The substitutions were given those attacking spots that were crying out for. And just after the hour mark, Wigan Athletic won a corner, which James McLean took from the left-hand side, swung the ball in, and somehow managed to find Nathan Broadhead, who is one of the smaller players on the field, but he headed home for his fifth goal of the season, and to me, I thought it was well-deserved. I thought the inclusion of Asgard, Naylor, and Broadhead were exactly what we needed to crank our intensity levels right back up from where they were. Ritling Rossini then responded to the equaliser by swapping Longman for Woods, just to try and strengthen their hold on the game. And down our left-hand side is where Hull were trying to divert their attacks. James McLean and Joe Bennett started to make really strong challenges to prevent that. But then Bennett picked up a bit of an injury. He couldn't really continue and got brought off by the medics. We brought Josh McGinnis on to try and bolster our attack instead. James McLean dropped to left-back. And I'm not overly enamored with James McLean at left-back, to be honest. And I think that Joe Bennett he was actually having a pretty decent game. We're going to go into stand-up performances later. But I thought that Joe Bennett, for the start of the second half, was, was having a decent game. Liam Rossini then made another change after the, the 70 minutes with John Michael Serry coming off for Ozan Tufan, who was actually our second player of the Who to Watch series that we did in the match preview. As the Latics try and pressed for 12 minutes to go, a long ball was sent over the top towards our defence, completely wrong-footed Curtis Tilt, and the attempt to clear it just fell to Esther Pinion inside our area. He, had, he tried to have a shot against Jones, and then there was a little nick off Jack Watmore, and the ball trickled into the net. A really, really tough one to take that and just change the entire game sucked all the life back out of us and between the Joe Bennett injury and that second goal I think that was the major turning point that our heads just went again and at 2-1 down with seven minutes left on the clock Hull made the final two changes with Esther Pinion and Christie coming off of Figueiredo and Louis Coyle they came on as defensive reinforcements I think they were just going to try and see out the game from that point we weren't really offering anything but the best form of defense is attack and that is exactly what Hull did again Another long ball over the top from centre-back Ryan McLaughlin saw Jamie Jones try and come out of his goal to deal with it. Tyler Smith was also running onto it for Hull and it just looked like we backed out of the challenge. Smith didn't look all too confident either running into that one but he was more committed than Jamie Jones was, knocked the ball past him and managed to finish from quite a tight angle so it was 3-1 down, we were all thinking surely not another 4-1. Game was starting to wrap up but it was New Year, same Wigan because before we knew it, it was 4-1. Tyler Smith added his second of the night, and this time it was Regan Slater who worked his way pretty much unchallenged all the way to the right-hand side of our box and swung the ball into Tyler Smith, who was unmarked at the far post to finish. I believe that they both used to play with each other in the academy, so they both know each other very well, and it, you know, it was another link-up that unfortunately on the night worked out very well for the opposition. Now I kept that game analysis short and sweet because I cannot believe that we've just seen another 4-1 defeat that is now the fourth time this season we've been beaten by that scoreline with 5 1 against Burnley, the only one to beat that. Earlier in the season, I did say that I felt that like we would always stay up in this league. I said that to Gab Sutton and fans bet after we sacked Liam Richardson. But as things now, we're going to remain bottom of the championship with 24 points from 26 games but we are still within touching distance of crawling out of the league if that good run of results comes, but where are the results going to come from? You know, with three on the bounce, losing 4-1, we look a shadow of a side that we were earlier on in the season, and to me, Kolo Torre looks quite out of his depth. Now, I don't want to finger point too much against Torre, because I don't think it's fair. You know, he's five games in, we've seen it before where managers come in, have a dodgy run, but then once they actually start piecing the squad together that they want, it starts to look a lot better, and I really hope that that is where we are going to go, but... I do wonder as well if the board massively understated the relationship and the bond that the players had with Liam Richardson and whether the sacking Liam Richardson in the way that we did, because I think that to the players, it was as much of a shock as it was to us. I don't think that a lot of them really expected it to happen. I think a lot of them believed in the project that Liam Richardson was doing and The whole timing of it stank to me. Now, yes, there are are players that are playing for us right now who I think that you can finger point out and say that they're not putting in a good enough performance, they're not closing down well enough, and they're causing a lot of issues, but I don't think that it's fair to really go at Colo Torre right now. I think that a lot of his tactics maybe need adjusting, or definitely need adjusting, actually, not maybe. They definitely need adjusting to championship football life because we cannot play maybe that Leicester were doing in the Premier League because two very different leagues, two very different abilities in the players... And two very different results are going to come from trying to play that same way. I've seen a lot of talk about Colo out. We saw that with Liam Richardson out, you know, when he was going on his bad run. And already I'm seeing it with Colo out. And I know that a lot of it is is joking, but there is there's no way that I can see that Wigan Athletic are going to ever sack Colo Torre in the first, first season in charge. They paid so much money in compensation to Leicester, they tried so hard to get him. But whatever he said in the interviews that really alerted Wigan to think this is the guy. We haven't seen that yet, but you know, I'm going to remain hopeful that given the January transfer window and a little bit more time and trying to implement the ideas that he wants with the players that he wants, I do think hopefully he can turn it around. But like we said, there's still a long way to go. There's 20 games in the championship left. There's a lot of points up for grabs. That, you know, Obviously, there's 60 there that are up for grabs. We could go on a great run at some point in this season, turn it around, and stay safe in this league. So you know, we've just got to keep believing, keep looking ahead, and try and put all these results behind us from now on. So where can we look to to try and put these games behind us? Well, we've got a break from championship football for 12 days now. We begin our FA Cup campaign on Saturday the 7th of January against Luton Town away at Kenilworth Road. Kickoff is at 5.30 in the afternoon and we will have a podcast coming to you with our full match preview where we look ahead to it. We are also on the Progress of Unity podcast. We just did a full... It was a longer podcast, actually. It was a full, long podcast about the whole city review. We got into quite a lot of debate about where it's all going wrong and what we need to do. And then we also looked ahead to the Luton Town fixture as well. But that is everything from me on this podcast. As always, you can follow our Twitter, at Central Wigan, where we post everything on there. You can follow our Substack, which is a straight-to-email newsletter. That is centralwigan.substack.com. There's a free version and a paid version. The paid version is just £3.50 a month. Delivers match previews, match reviews, loan reports, and youth development reports as well. So I wanted to keep this podcast short. I don't really want to go over a four-one too much. So that is everything. Thank you for listening and up the ticks and Let's sing as well. Let's sing. Colo, 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 colo.